Worst to first for the Chicago Bears, the post Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, the NFC North post draft. What is this division going to look like in 2023 and beyond after a huge offseason coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson? NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers who have been with us through all the divisions here post-draft, and uh, we will keep all the content coming all off season long as we get ready for 2023. And it starts, Matt, with the NFC North today reviewing the draft and how these teams look after the dust has settled here in the off season. And as we do, we kind of take a look at some of the, the cap situations for these teams as well and how that factors into everything that the team is doing, building going forward. Absolutely. But I am all kinds of fired up and – I just made myself a big dynasty trade. I want to run by you and see what you think. So let me preface this because our, our rookie draft starts on Friday for this league. And I have a pretty darn good team. And I'm having a hard time whittling down some roster space to fit in the rookies. And, you know, I'm a little bit of a roster crunch. So I put a message board topic out. Hey, I'm trying to land a whale. I want to trade three of mine for one of yours. And I landed Jeff Justin Jefferson, who in Dynasty, he's almost always the first pick overall in startup. It's either him or Jamar Chase. I mean, it, and then who knows who number three is. So in honor of the NFC North today, I landed Justin Jefferson. Wow. Did I overpay or not? Here's what I gave up. And might it might be a little confusing. I gave up Calvin Ridley, who's older than you think, by the way, Mike Williams for, of the Chargers, the sixth pick in this upcoming rookie draft, the 12th pick in this upcoming rookie draft for Justin Jefferson, Jamison Williams, which I think is a great buy low right now. I don't care that he's suspended. I'm loaded at wide receiver right now. So he's just going to kind of hang out. And I think I can put him on pup to start the league too. So that saves me a roster spot. I get this team's second uh, rounder next year, which I think they're going to be a pretty bad team, to be honest with you. And then I moved up from 3-4 to 2-9 in this draft for a little sweetener. I mean, just to seal the deal. So I'm pretty psyched, to be honest with you. Gave up a lot. Matt, I think you should be put in handcuffs for the robbery that you just committed <laughs> on someone in your league to not only get the maybe one of the most mo- – one of, if not the most valuable player in your dynasty league. Yeah, yeah. It's not a not a two quarterback format. It's not. It's just standard yeah. boring PPR. Yeah. You almost almost always in a keepery dynasty dynasty type of a situation. Uh, I am definitely the believer of, in whoever got the best player won the deal, unless yeah. it is just ridiculous going the other way. And obviously, it depends on what this owner does with those draft picks in the first round. But you know, pick six, pick twelve. In this year's class, um, obviously they got a lot of useful players for their roster, mm-hmm. but and his you, roster is pretty light. I mean, yeah, you're there. dealing from a place of strength, and and clearly won this trade. Maybe it's a win-win for the other owner as well. But you know, I would take your side of that all day long. Yeah, and part of it's because I don't. 
Jameson right. Williams too is a huge part of that. And what I love could, Jameson Williams. You probably got the first and second best player in that deal when we're looking back at this in a year. You might be right. And I mean, my thoughts on it were first off, I don't love the first round of this draft. I'm not going to go get Bijan. I mean, if you're not picking one, two, maybe even three, I, I mean, that's Jordan Addison, maybe at one six or Charbonnet at one twelve. you know, like I don't love those guys. And in the process, Ridley and Mike Williams turn into Jameson and Jefferson. I got younger at wide receiver, you know, while you got I'm younger, better. Yeah, right, right. So I love it. All right. I like that. It's swinging for a couple of NFC North wide receivers that are a huge part yeah. of this division going forward. Uh, do you want to take a quick peek at the cap stuff or do you want to it's bring that up? Yes. The teams. Okay. Okay. So in terms of current cap space, the bears have 32 million most in the league. Detroit has 25 million third most in the league. Green Bay has 16 million, which is sixth most in the, in the league. The Vikings have a million, which is 31st worst in the league. You know, so three teams have a lot of assets, especially the Bears and Lions. The Vikings are really tight. A year from now, it gets better for Minnesota. The Packers and Vikings are right around 22nd overall. They have 23 and 24 million, respectively. But the Lions and Bears continue to have a ton. I mean, Chicago has 97 million in cap space a year from now. And the Lions have 68 million. That's third and seventh overall. So those ascending Bear Lions teams, and maybe the Packers too, we are rebuilding, can continue to do that. I mean, they're in really good shape. Okay. See, uh, there's so many. We, we could do multiple episodes on this division here. And so we'll talk about those specific teams when we get there, particularly why the Vikings have a lot more cap space next year than this year. Uh, I want to start with the Chicago Bears, who. Uh, dominated the storyline all offseason long. You talk about how much cap space they have. They they spent a ton of money, too. Like, they are signing mm -hmm. people left and right to make this team better, and they were the worst team in the NFL last year. They had the number one pick in the draft. Um, and so I, when we're talking about process, and we brought this up yesterday when we were talking about some teams, and I want to talk about it further with some other teams here in this division. But talking about process, I love what Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears have done this offseason for the most part. Um, trading down, I think it was a huge win versus what the Panthers had to give up to get a 5'10", 190-pound quarterback, and we'll see what Bryce Young ends up being. They clearly loved him, uh, but I love it from the Bears' perspective on what they have and what Justin Fields could potentially be at quarterback. You know, betting on the tools there, moving down, getting so many draft picks, and it's going to take yeah, a bit yeah. to go through all these draft picks. And that first pick ended up being Darnell Wright at pick number ten after moving back just one more spot on draft day with the Philadelphia Eagles from number nine to ten as the Eagles went up and got Jalen Carter. So Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee, was the tenth pick in the draft, the first selection for the Chicago Bears here. At that point, how do you grade the Bears' offseason and their process as they made their first selection on draft night? Very strong, because as is the case with all these teams with young quarterbacks, you have to give the guy you invested in as many opportunities to succeed as possible. And, uh, I mean, the last two years for Justin Fields have not been kind to him. I mean, that two years ago as a rookie was a total dysfunctional offense. And then last year, he just didn't have much around him. But they, you know, Luke Getze, who pit guy I recruited way back in the day, I root for Luke, um, it, it started to figure things out and figure out the shape of this offense. They just didn't have many weapons. Mooney was hurt and certainly didn't have anyone like DJ Moore. So this is a big statement. But after drafting right, 
I feel like their offense is complete. It's not perfect, but they have a deep backfield. Right tackle was a spot that they really needed. Right was the pure best right tackle. Right, right, right. And now you have receivers, including a Cole Komet, and I don't love Claypool, but Mooney and more. Like, there's no holes on offense. It's not the best offense in the league, but the offense is pretty complete. And speaking of grading moves, uh, I did not like the Claypool trade when it happened. No, no. And I liked it a lot better for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think it would have really behooved the the uh, Bears to have that selection and, and draft the defender. Because as you said, the offense mm-hmm. is looking better. And uh, I still worry about the defensive side of the ball. We'll get to you just in a second here. But when it comes to the offense and that Bears offense, and I agree with you, it's like getting closer to complete. And even Claypool himself, yeah, yeah. you know, mid, that's, that's what's tough. A mid, you know, a mid season pickup at positions like wide receiver quarterback they just take a little bit of time to really get into the system yeah. you know it's i would expect a better clay pool now than we saw at the end of last year too. sure and, and he was and banged so, up a little too you know, right yeah health, right exactly. so that could look a lot better than it has so far even with the clay pool thing but then it puts everybody in line mooney clay pool behind a number one in dj moore so i love that for your young quarterback you spend your top draft top draft pick on an offensive tackle uh, a big winner by the way in all of this I, assuming uh and i haven't read anything different or heard anything from ryan poles different I assume the Darnell Wright's going to be the right tackle. Yeah. So yeah. it's a huge win for last year's rookie fifth rounder in uh, in Jones, right? Yeah, the they like him a lot. Right? He's the, yep. he's, he, that's a huge vote of confidence for him being their franchise left tackle. And you may have a rookie and a second-year tackle. Everyone talks about Seattle's young bookends. Well, the Bears have them now, too. I almost called him Broderick Jones. Braxton Jones is the yeah, uh, fifth rookie last year. No, they're uh, really that, high on him. That made well. And so um, next, Matt, I want to get a little bit more to the defensive side of the ball. Our – are, are Justin Fields and DJ Moore and that group, are they ready to outscore teams? Because they might have to do that if they're going to go worst to first was the question I asked to start this Big podcast time. and how hard that will be because there's some other pretty good teams in the division and uh, some on the come up and some that might not be on the, the come down as much as some people are predicting. Next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There are great promotions every day at FanDuel. The app is safe, uh, super secure. Uh, I love how easy it is, by the way, on this app versus some other apps to navigate, find exactly what your bets are, build your own bets. Uh, The website and the app are both super clean and easy to use at FanDuel and get paid instantly when you do win your bets if you're betting on the NBA playoffs. And there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book, not just NBA playoffs either, NHL, Major League Baseball all summer long. You want to bet on which team wins the NFC North? You can do that. NFL futures, tons of them at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, moving into the rest of the draft. For the Chicago Bears, uh, there's some moves I've I've loved, some moves I didn't love. Love the trade down. I'm okay with Darnell Wright. I think I liked Broderick Jones a little bit better there. Paris uh, Paris Johnson was off the board for the Bears. 
Ryan Poles later said, and teams say this a lot, that he, they that Wright was the best lineman to them in in this draft. And not, you know, maybe maybe I believe him, maybe I don't. Yeah, but I do like Darnell enough. Wright. <laughs> yeah, um, right, yeah. There's a lot of potential there with him too, as both a run blocker and a pass blocker. He's 330 pounds, but he's actually maybe a little bit better pass blocker than run blocker, despite right. his size. So I think he and, and so I think there's some potential there for both. And I haven't I didn't go back and watch his left tackle tape at Tennessee, but by good. all accounts, he looked a lot yeah. better at right tackle. So leave him there. You got a franchise right tackle. Good job. Now, uh, the thing that has held and will continue to hold the Chicago Bears back, Matt, in my opinion, is their defensive line. And they attacked that defensive line on day two. But I start to question, love the process. I start to question, though, if they got the difference makers they need on that side of the ball in this draft. Day two, second round, they drafted Gervin Dexter, defensive tackle out of Florida, came back with Tyreek Stevenson, corner from Miami, and then in round three, Zach Pickens, another defensive tackle from South Carolina. Uh, did they do what they needed to do on the defensive side of the ball to take that leap in 2023, Matt? No, not even close. I, I think they're going to be one of the worst defenses in the league, to be very honest with you. But as we opened the show, $32 million in cap space this year, $97 million in cap space the year after that, your own first-round pick, the Panthers' first-round pick, you may sign Javon Hargrave and draft Will Anderson, you know, versions next year. And then all of a sudden, okay. So I like these three picks. I'm glad they went defense, defense, defense. But they're a little volatile too. I mean, Dexter and Pickens are highly recruited, highly talented, inconsistent players. I mean, if one hits, they'll be in good shape. So they're taking some bites at the apple, including Noah Sewell, who was much higher regarded a year ago than he is now. If they can get two or three defensive starters out of this mix, they'll allow a lot of points this year, and then they'll just focus on one side of the ball next year. And I'm not surprised Matt Aberflus wanted some tackles because he's always been big on those defensive tackles with his scheme, and he wants the guys a, rushing like from the interior. Yeah. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, um, And we'll see if that turns out. I, I didn't love the value, though, on day two with with really no. those players. And I thought the, the secondary of the pick, you know, Tyreek Stevenson's uh, another toolsy guy that a lot of people really liked in the draft process. So, you know, I think he maybe went in the right spot compared to how he was, you know, graded pre-draft. Um, but they've done so much work on the secondary. I, and so the secondary is looking good. But I'm just I'm still worried a little bit about the front seven, specifically the defensive line and specifically the edge guys. Are they going to be able to to pressure other opposing teams and are Dexter and Zach Pickens, those guys. And, and like you said, yeah. they took two bites. If one of them hits, then you're golden probably. Enough, yeah. and so we'll see. But um, that's probably I the think- thing that's going to hold this team back. But to be honest with you, the the fact that they helped out Justin Fields as much as they did, because they didn't help him out at all last year. And they drafted two uh, defensive backs in the secondary, Brisker and uh, Kyler Gordon in the second round last year. It's like, help out your young quarterback. And they didn't do mm-hmm. that. They did this offseason, which I like. So if the defense is still behind, that's okay as long as Justin Fields got the help he needs. Yeah, and even the two, I think Roshan Johnson fits their profile, big power back. Tyler Scott has a lot of Mooney similarities. I like Terrell Smith, too, is another guy we didn't mention, is to add to that defensive backfield. I think that was a value. So I like what they did, but I still expect them to have a bottom five type defense and especially pass rush, as you mentioned. There's nothing coming off the edge. So big year for Justin Fields with more weapons. Year three for him. Second year in the same system now. He's got to take that big step, and they're going to have to outscore some teams on offense. That's the way I look at this team. Although I do like how the secondary is shaking up. Control Uh, the ball and eat clock is be important, too. And Roshan Johnson, I mean, you know, talking dynasty, could be a little sleeper pick there because they're going to run the heck out of the football, are the Chicago Bears. 
Yep, Khalil Herbert's stock took a big hit with the, the Johnson pick. And yeah, and then they three headed backfield. Uh, Foreman. Yeah, uh, uh, Devontae. Uh, who'd they pick up? In, Foreman. Uh, Dante Foreman's also. Uh, Dante Foreman. Foreman. That's right. Yeah. Uh, one year deal. So, you know, not long term, but again, mm -hmm. yeah, midi backfield is looking like what's going to shape up there. Yep. Tyler Scott, you mentioned wide receiver out of Cincinnati in round four. Ton of picks for the Bears, by the way, uh, to keep restocking this thing. Noah Sewell, Oregon, uh, offensive or a uh, linebacker there, brother of. Uh, Offensive lineman, yeah, yeah. 10A out of Oregon. Uh, Terrell Smith, Minnesota corner. Nice little pick there, value-wise. I think there probably wasn't too big of a difference between Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith on some teams' draft boards. Uh, Travis Bell, defensive tackle out of Kennesaw State. And Kendall Williamson, Stanford corner in round seven. So No, no relation, by the way. What's that? Oh, yeah. None? Okay. No relation, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't blessed with your family's yeah, My genes are a little more athletic, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing is clear about Matt Aberflus, and we're going to move on from the Bears here, is he loves corners and he loves tackles. Defensive yeah, players. and he loves length, too. You know, big, yeah. long guys, you know, in particular. It's also fun that Penne and Noah are going to actually do battle. One's going to block oh, the other yeah. probably twice a year, you know? Hey, that's a that's a great point. And speaking of, next, that let's leads talk. leads us to the Lions. I'm like a professional. Detroit Lions. And uh, I've crushed the Lions about their positional value and drafting a mm -hmm. running back at number 12 but we'll look at this one a little deeper here and and see how we feel about it let's start with those first round picks though jameer gibbs running back out of alabama at pick 12 after moving down from six with the arizona cardinals who went up to get paris johnson then jack campbell coming back with the uh, second first round pick at number 18 iowa linebacker uh, i've talked a lot about it I, I didn't love the value with these two picks mm -hmm. they could be long-term they, they could be ring of honor guys. I mean, and you look at their first four selections and, and these are so important for the building of the Detroit lions. They could be ring of honor players. Uh, and, and you're looking back and like, what a great draft, amazing cornerstone draft, you know, build a foundation for this really good lions team. That's finally winning playoff games. I could see that, but I still sitting here today. Didn't love the value of their first four picks, but particularly running back at pick 12 and off ball linebacker at pick 18 because in at some point in the future you're gonna have to be paying a lot of money and a lot of draft picks to try to scrape together you know offensive tackles although they're pretty good on the offensive line right now in the future where would they be right if they're paying a lot of money to these guys when they hit at all these other positions you know defensive end and edge and uh you know wide receiver and you know you, you gotta you there's multiple reasons why you don't draft certain positions super high right now. Hit rates, mm -hmm. um, replacement level are big, but also just the way you have to build a team and who you got to pay and how you acquire certain positions. Um, it just it could hamstring you in the future. It's why I don't give a high grade, even though they did draft good players. And I love the yeah. portal in round two. I love Brian Branch, one of my favorite picks in round two, actually. Their best pick. But again, running back, off-ball linebacker, tight end safety were their first four picks. And positional value-wise, um, even though they got good players, don't love it for the Lions. Where do you see the Lions here? Me too. Uh, I, I like the players. They'll, they'll immediately be a better football team because of this. It's just the more the long-term ramifications, yeah. cap you know, implications, when you got to re-sign Penny Sewell and Hutchinson. And it's like, boy, we wish we would have had one more D-end or tackle in the mix, you know, and we had all those early picks. So Hooker's obviously a little different. And not to speak for you, but I think you and I are both fine with the fifth pick in the third round taking Hendon Hooker. Not at the end of the first or the top 40. He'll redshirt all year. That's worth the bite of the apple. But I'm going to include Broderick Martin in this conversation, too, because two first-round picks, two, two second-round picks, two third-round picks, 
And you end up with a running back, an off-the-ball linebacker, a tight end, a nickel, and a nose. You know, Martin's an impressive specimen, but he's a nose. He's a 340-pound nose and a backup quarterback who's obviously different. Branch is one of my favorite players in this draft. So, in a way, I talk out of both sides of my mouth with this draft because I do like the players. I think it gives them a shot in the arm for 2023. But I think it's not super smart team building, and there's just lots of proof to prove otherwise. And frankly, Jack Campbell at 18 is my maybe my least favorite pick in the whole draft. Uh, I, I didn't like either one of the first two picks, um, yeah. just positional value wise. And I, I probably, <laughs> I, I again, I'm driving the bus on the running backs don't matter thing. And mm-hmm. so whatever Gibbs can give you as a receiver, and you don't get him hurt as a runner then maybe that works out for you long-term and he's dynamic, puts points on the board, but man, just the off ball backer at 18 is a tough one as well. And yeah. then like Laporta is a player I liked. I was like, man, someone's going to get a nice little pick in the third round. They drafted him with a third pick in round two. So they didn't really get right. the value of this deep tight end class, getting the second tight end in the draft in Laporta, who's a good player. Um, but that was even felt, even that felt a little high, you know? So yeah. Brian branch was the first pick, even though I liked Laporta a lot, I love them as a late third round or mid third round guys. Like, man, some you know, this is a really good class. Some of these tight ends are going to fall. They didn't even allow to get the tight end falling value. And, and a lot of the teams didn't in this class, which I was surprised about. But no. Brian Branch, um, and again, you know, not positional value, but, you know, mid second round for Brian Branch was definitely my favorite pick in this. Yeah. Draft. And, and oh, like he could said, be a ring of honor guy, no doubt. You know, exactly. right? and, and all these guys could. It, it could yeah. end up being a really good draft if all these guys hit. But, you know, if they don't all hit and you start, you know, you got to pay positions that if they do hit, you're paying them. And then now you don't have money to pay the positions. You got to pay a lot to mm-hmm. quarterback. I'm still not, to be honest with you, even the quarterbacks pick Matt, because Hinton hooker is a third round guy. And I was saying it before the draft and I wasn't buying the first round hype. And so they drafted a third round guy in the third round. So that's good. But at the same time, I, I think it was one of the worst landing spots for hooker because you have Jared Goff. And if you're going to push Goff, to me, you got to draft either either you're getting a straight up backup or you're getting someone who could actually compete and go over the top of Goff. Mm-hmm. And so and in Hooker, sort of a high end backup. But is he going to push Goff? I don't think so. So you just spent a, a pretty premium pick here, still early third round where you can find a starter somewhere else on a long term backup. I would have liked Hooker in a different location even so even the hooker pick in the fifth round which i kind of like that kind of still don't like because it's one of the worst landing spots for him if that's if that makes sense like you know i know i I would have liked him behind um someone like i don't know a more see i kind of like the spot because even going into the draft i often mentioned seattle and detroit as landing spots for him because he's not going to beat out gino or goff this year Right, But maybe late in the season when he's healthy, they're like, wow, we got something here. We don't have to pay the old guy that's a B quarterback, you know, and we'll yeah. hand it to Hooker. Okay. And frankly, I mean, you kind of move on. You, you move on and you don't miss out. You don't get worse at quarterback, but you get cheaper in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But this is the case with Hooker no matter what, is he's still old and he's still injured, you know, and he's coming from a crazy system. So – you're not going to, I mean, this conversation has to pick back up next year on him. I mean, we got a whole year to, to spend without even probably mentioning his name. And he's at, uh, he's at rookie mini camp for the lions taking mental reps. You know, he's not even out there practicing. Right, yet. Right. By the no, way, here's another thing. Uh, I, I had to check it out just to make sure. So Henry hookers turning 26 this year, correct? I think you're correct. He's older yeah. than a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. Jared Goff's only 28. Wow. <laughs> 
you're like two young years younger at quarterback. Right, 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 right. Because right. Goff was really young coming out of Cal. I remember. That's a good point. I will say, though, a third-round quarterback, even if he turns out to be a lifetime backup Gardner Minshew, is probably worth it. That's debatable. Know. But, you I, know I, what I mean, I yeah. That's a little debatable. I, I would rather yeah. have a starter at another position than yeah. a just backup because you can go get Gardner Minshew tomorrow if you want to for less than yeah. that. You know? There are a lot of them out there. You're correct. You're right about that. I mean, Steelers signed Mason Rudolph yesterday. And that's uh, your favorite pick know, was – your favorite pick Branch. was Roderick Martin? Oh, Br- Branch. Runner-up yeah, Roderick yeah. Martin out of Western Kentucky. Yeah, but he's a nose. I mean, yeah. at least that was a lot later. That was in late, late third. I think Branch is a great, great player, and I was shocked he fell to 45. Uh, I think one of the things with the Lions, see, I, I got to get off the Lions, and, and I, I keep crushing their draft. They got good players, so mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to be that critical of it, but the chest bumping in their draft room after drafting a running back at 12, like, I yeah. just, that's tough for me. Like, if I, you know... I am not a billionaire NFL owner, but that's one of the first things I would do is be like, we don't chest bump drafting running backs in the first round. I, I don't know. You pulled one over on the rest of the league, get, taking Gibbs like, at 12. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe Jameer Gibbs was still there for us at 12. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Like, like, that's kind of getting in your own head, I think, maybe in the draft process because you see that with like, a lot of teams where they're like, oh my God, we got we to gotta scratch and claw to trade up and get this guy. And the team they jumped in front of were like, Okay, we're there. Look at him anyway. Good job. Right, like, yeah. you, know, you get in your own little bubble there, and uh, and and that's why, in some ways, the consensus draft boards uh, beat teams' boards. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like the rest of us knew Gibbs was going to be there at twelve, and maybe the Lions didn't, and we're right. doing cartwheels over it. Like, yeah, especially right. like once, uh, once Bijan went at eight, they thought, oh no, right, yeah, we might not <laughs> right, right, right. And they had already traded back from six to twelve. Okay, we got to go to the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings here, finishing up the post-draft classes in 2023 of the NFC North. Thank you once again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers finishing up the NFC with the West and the East, and then we'll be done with our team-by-team, division-by-division post-draft reviews. And, of course, Twitter Thursday coming up this week. Get your questions in at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL or drop it in the YouTube comments and make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Green Bay Packers, Matt, 2023 NFL draft. This is the official post Rogers era. He is not on the team. He cannot play. Jordan Love gets to play quarterback all year, presumably for the Green Bay Packers. And they started off their first post draft post Rogers draft with Lucas Van S and a ton of picks here for the Packers to go through. Lucas Van S though in round one. How are we feeling about Lucas Van S at thirteen for the Packers? He sure seems like a Packer. I mean, big strapping Midwest guy that'll handle the the cold, probably sleeveless out there. And you know, he wasn't for me though. I I really just thought there's thirteen better players in the draft, and I thought he was more of a mid twenties type of guy. And I don't care that he wasn't quote a starter. I just think he wins with power and aggression and these full grown men will just sit on that power and make him counter and win with speed and stuff that he's not good at yet. He's such a young prospect and he tested so well. I I like the idea of, look, he's not a finished product. He has this power and he has the length and he has this athleticism. You can't teach. We can teach him some counters. And I think that's the thought process behind Lucas Van Mm Ness. But he does feel like a little bit of a boomer bust where you might look at this in a couple of years and be like, well, he just doesn't produce at the NFL level. Nice player. 
or he might be like, oh my God, this is the next, you know, I'm not going to say he's next JJ Watt, but you know, he could be someone who's like, oh man, he developed in year yeah. two, year three, and he is an absolute monster. He has that kind of ability. He does. And Rashawn Gary was kind of that way and they developed him well, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, maybe. it's really the, the thing that, that we are learning about the Packers. So next year, let's write it in our notebook. They're going to draft so uh, a defensive player. They're going to draft traits, uh, and yep. they did it throughout the first, uh, you know, early, especially on early picks, right? And so, and we saw it last year. We've seen it the year before. Brian Gutenkunst, yep. that's what he does, is he drafts uh, pretty traitsy guys. And Luke Musgrave was one of those. They're tied in in the second round. They came back with Jaden Reed, a wide receiver in round two out of Michigan State. So giving uh, Jordan Love some targets here, uh, along with some other young targets they drafted last year. So a nice little young group of pass catchers for Jordan loved to throw to, and then came back with a second tight end, Tucker Craft, in round three out of South Dakota State. So after the first couple of days, uh, I really like these picks, and I think the Packers were the first team to start to get some value at at tight end in this yeah, draft, yeah. And letting someone like Tucker Craft fall to them in the third round and say, well, we already drafted a tight end. We probably like Craft pretty close to as much as Luke Musgrave. Let's draft them both. I don't hate it, especially considering the state of their tight ends and pass catchers and – you know, I, I'm not a big Romeo Dubs fan, but I also think Watson's a lot different than Reed. Jaden Reed reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson, you know, in uh, slot slash outside route runner. He's one of my guys. I thought 50 was a little early, but I adore Musgrave. I think Kraft has a little more physicality, more inline ability than Musgrave. So I like the idea of Musgrave, Reed, Kraft and Watson be in your core for the next couple of years, at least as they develop. Looking at the Lions draft versus the Packers draft here. So Tucker Kraft was still on the board when the Lions had already drafted a tight end and then drafted Hendon Hooker at the top of round three. I mean, I, I draft a different position in, in early round two. And I like Sam Laporta. I liked him more than Tucker Kraft, but only by mm -hmm. a very little bit. And I thought they were both sort of early third round guys. Me too. You know, draft more positional value early second round come back with Tucker Craft in the third round if you're the Lions, you know? And so uh, that for that reason, I like the, the Packers draft and some of the value they got here and uh, helping out their young quarterback. All right, moving on to the rest of the Packers Tons draft. of late picks. Though. I mean, two-fifths, two-fifths, right. Yeah. Uh, Colby Wooden, defensive tackle out of Auburn in round four. Sean Clifford, quarterback from Penn State in round five. I think both of us agree that was way too high. Uh, He's really bad. My, <laughs> I've watched him a lot. He's really bad. I, I so they're, they're Sorry, Packers fans. Yeah, yeah, that one's uh, that was a that was a head scratcher. Sean yeah. Clifford, I was expecting him to be an undrafted player, uh, but a lot of teams drafted those mid round quarterbacks, they just kind of flew off the board. Ooh. So, I think cost controlled young quarterbacks is probably the reason we saw that. And maybe yeah, yeah. the league chasing its own tail a little bit, trying to find the next Brock Purdy. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it's because so many guys started last year 69 starters. So, if we can get a cheap one that doesn't stink, we'll do it. But I also think the end of this draft wasn't particularly great. So, let's just get a high. You know, maybe we do get Dak or Purdy out of it, and one of these teams will. I just don't think it's Clifford at all. The next two picked I loved on day three for the yes. Green yeah, Bay yeah. Packers. Dontavian Wicks, Virginia wide receiver. He's twitched up. Uh, he pulled a hamstring run in his 40, so his 40 time I don't think is indicative to what he looks like on the field. I think he could potentially push – Romeo Dobbs is, you know, uh, he's that guy in camp this year that that Dobbs was last year who's going to be like, oh, 
this guy's kind of something, right? Kind of got uh, all so about him with the other right. guys. Right. Ontavian Wicks, I love the pick out of Virginia in round five. And then round six, Carl Brooks had awful workouts, but the dude was just a producer, 300-pound defensive end. I think he played defensive tackle in the NFL and be a three-tick and a pass rusher there. Uh, I really like Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green. Uh, could have a nice career, and I think he will stick with the Packers. Then you go kicker Anders Carlson in the sixth round, late sixth. That's where you draft kickers, not in round three. We'll talk about the 49ers in a couple days yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, and then four seventh-round picks. Carrington Valentine out of Kentucky, the cornerback. Lou Nichols, the third Central Michigan running back. Anthony Johnson Jr., Iowa State safety. Love that pick as well. And Grant DeBose, Charlotte wide receiver. Real quick on Anthony Johnson, former corner. Only played one year at safety. You think there might be more there. Even a potential Absolutely. starter for Anthony Johnson. But uh, if not, a backup that can kind of drop in the slot, can cover, can cover on the back end, play some special teams. Uh, tons of value in this draft class to me for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and a lot of bites at the apple. Some will hit, some won't. I'm glad you mentioned Wicks as much as you did because he's easily forgotten. Uh, Brooks and Wooden are kind of similar to me. Uh, they kind of remind me of three, four defensive end types, you know, I mean, with some length to them and not quite a D tackle, not quite an edge, but that's what they're looking for. Johnson that late is a great pick for me. I think he sticks as a special teamer slash nickel slash third safety. Who knows? Um, not going to spend a lot of time on Carlson, the kicker, and I know nothing about him, but kicking at Auburn and kicking in Green Bay is a lot different, Anders. So best of luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> good luck to good luck to any rookie kickers. And uh, we'll Shane talk a lot more about kickers, I think, when we talk about the 49ers draft and the NFC West coming up. We got to move on to the Minnesota yeah. Vikings here uh, and their draft class. And they didn't do anything at quarterback. And they've got a ticking, I don't want to call it a time bomb, but they got a veteran quarterback going in the last year of a deal. Like yeah. team building wise, I'm trying to figure out where the Vikings are and what they're doing. And it's hard for me to figure out. Uh, Jordan Addison was their pick in round one, Matt. 24th selection in round one wide receiver out of USC you saw him a lot at Pitt what did you see at Pitt he was a Blitnikoff award winner mm -hmm. he's not the biggest guy or the fastest guy but dude gets open he really does um I think others like him more than I do I mean I think he absolutely benefited with the last two years having a first round quarterback throw to him I mean Pitt really schemed him up a lot smart because he was really hard to cover He's just really slight, and I think it's a good pick for them, though, because my new boy Justin Jefferson and Hawk are in place, and now he's not going to be the guy. You know, if he would have went to New England or something and expected to be 120 target a year, dude, I think he'd get beat up. But as a as Robin, I think he's fine. I just don't think he's Batman. I saw some pre-draft comps to Devontae Smith. You know, it's kind of a skinnier wide receiver that's smooth. That's a good route runner. Do you like that comp? Do you think he's like someone who's going to no. roll in and just be a, a true number two? Or is Devontae he Smith though plays big? I mean, he has insanely long arms. He's mm -hmm. just skinny. I mean, he's nastier. And I understand they both won the Blitnikoff, but I mean, one dude won the Heisman. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, the, the comp is more that they're just both it, yeah. and that's kind of where it ends. Uh, you know, good route runners. I'll, I'll give him that. They're smooth. If he turns in Devonte Smith, it's a home run to me. I think he's oh, a vastly underrated player. Yeah, uh, I didn't like the late round wide receivers, to be honest with you, in the first round of this of this class. You know, we just mm -hmm. talked about the Packers drafting Dontavian Wicks. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't think there was a huge gap between the guys that went 23, 24 and Dontavian Wicks. That's just that how I saw the wide receiver class this year. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think some teams just forced those late round one wide receivers. But to be honest with you, it wasn't a great class all around. So that's no, it wasn't. part of it. And so I think teams maybe did things they wouldn't have normally done. And maybe that was why the Lions did what they did. Is they're like, you know, we don't love this class. And this dude's a dynamic player. He's going to be a Hall of Fame running back. So let's go draft him. And like, more power to him. Uh, I, real quick, PP, I, I think that people need to realize this wasn't as good a class as many wanted out to be. I think that's why quarterbacks like Jaron Hall, kickers, some reaches, running backs went higher than usual because I don't think, especially more I reflect on it, it's just not a tremendous draft. The, you know, and COVID really did a number on things it and you know, forced some players out early. Some past classes, there were guys that didn't play the year before they were drafted and drafted high, and you just never see that. In fact, there was two top 10 picks in 2021 that didn't play the season before they were drafted. Like, I've never heard of that. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And – and then this year, what we saw the ripple effect of that was just a weird recruiting class and weird. Now we got a bunch of old prospects. transfers too. Yeah, right. transfers. Yeah, yeah. And so there was fifth, sixth year seniors in this draft class. And you kind of don't know what to do with these guys. Like, why weren't you in classes earlier in your career? So it's really strange. I think things will normalize with future draft classes, you know, maybe starting next year. But there was a ripple effect that, you know, the COVID thing and the, the lockdown and not having some seasons for some teams. And, you know, partial seasons for other teams. And I, I think it wasn't just a one-year blip. That was a multi-year blip. And we're seeing that in this draft class still. I agree. I think, well, if someone writes a book on the history of the NFL draft, the, I think they'll talk about this year and last year in particular. I hope that's the end of it is these were rocky times. These were rough waters that we hadn't seen before. And I think it'll mean that there are teams that had a rough time in the draft, but there'll there'll be more opportunity for teams to have found gems as well. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Makai and, and also, you know, they is go back to back USC guys, back to back LSU yeah. guys, you know, like <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. They're, that We've seen that more than ever. Just going back to the same team in, in this draft. And I think maybe it's just fluky. I don't know. But Makai Blackman, uh, is he one of those steals? Late third round pick here. The, the Vikings didn't have a pick from 24 all the way to uh, pick 102 that they traded back even in the in the third round with the 49ers. Uh, Makai Blackton, uh, Blackman, he's a corner from USC. Then they went LSU, LSU with uh, fourth rounder Jay Ward safety. And then Jaqueline Roy, nose tackle type out of LSU in round five. Then Jaron Hall, BYU quarterback in round five. Dwayne McBride to finish it up running back out of uh, UAB in round seven. So I think it's worth a bite at the apple with Jaron Hall. Maybe he's a long-term backup. Maybe he's Brock Purdy. Maybe he's Dak Prescott. We've talked a lot about these fifth-round quarterbacks, and I'd take him over, you know, the dude Green Bay took. Dwayne McBride's a very good runner. Um, he has more fumbles than he has career catches. He's a nothing in the passing game, but he's a very good runner. And we haven't talked about this a lot. I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to be a Viking this year. So, I think Madison, and then there's going to be a couple dudes fighting for the number two spot. So McBride might be an early down guy who has some value. Um, I think you have to realize, though, you just hired Brian Flores to be your defensive coordinator, and your pass defense was abysmal last year. And Flores is going to want press man coverage, blitz. You know, we saw what he did with Miami. He had an influence here in Pittsburgh. I don't think Blackman's that guy, you know, and you're losing – this is a side note, but you're losing guys like Smith just got traded to the Browns and your pass rush is dwindling. And what 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 are you counting on in the secondary? You know, Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth from last year. What are you really having those guys? I think Jay Ward's a good player, but he's a 
slot slot. You know, he's a Brian Branch light to me. You know, that type of guy. It's a good point. We, we focus so much on rookie classes in the draft. Uh, I think maybe what we should do pretty soon here in an episode is go back and and talk about some breakout players. You know, Lewis Seen yeah. is is a great one that I think the Vikings are expecting a ton out of this year. I'm expecting a ton out of this year, and so you know, it's year two and year three for most players when they really take off. Um, and Makai Blackman is a you know a nice cover corner, but he's not the biggest corner. And Brian yeah. Flores, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just trying to think back to the, his teams. And I know he you know isn't the GM, doesn't draft all these guys, but I feel like size he likes bigger. Oh, he went Zaven Howard and Byron yeah. Jones and beat you up at the line and blitz like crazy. And I just don't think that's a fit. And I th- and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Blackman's also one of these overage prospects too. I think he's like 24. Oh, uh, let's see. I don't Pretty have sure. that in front of me. Yeah, right no big deal. But yeah. I think I There's think I'm right about that. So many, and I've blown away every time I look at the these draft prospects. I'm like, wow, this guy's older than I thought. Wow, this guy played in college for five years and transferred mm-hmm. twice. <laughs> There's so right. many of those in this draft class. Really, really, the Vikings right now. I'm just having a tough time figuring out what their plan is. And um, feels like they're straddling the fence. Are we rebuilding? Or are we competing? We won more games than we should have last year. You know. Let's go back to last year. We said the same thing about the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 on the fence. They're they are eternal fence straddlers. I think the Vikings are. So I think this is the year. And going forward, especially at the quarterback position, it might force them to get out of purgatory because either it blows up for them this year, or they have to. You know, they uh, Kirk Cousins moves on, and so they're forced to do something different. Maybe that makes them worse in twenty twenty four, and they're competitive this year. I don't know. It just the. Mm-hmm. I'm hard. It's hard for me to envision how mo- they got a lot better this year either. And they were already a team in purgatory that kind of their record was better than what the team was last year. So do they just regress anyway? They could get a little bit better and still regress record wise, but yeah. the, the, the division's up for grabs too. And if they won the division, I wouldn't be shocked. That's what I was going to say is like, I could easily see them winning eight or nine games in a bad division, maybe going five and one, four and two in the North. And Sneaking into the playoffs, either as a division winner or the six or seven seed, something like that. And then going to Cousins and being like, well, we're not picking early enough for one of those guys. How about we sign you to a two-year deal? And then for the next two years, they win seven games or eight games. And purgatory, as you often say. And so many unknowns with the Packers and the the Bears. Like mm-hmm. if, if Justin Fields takes off. I can absolutely see the Bears going and winning that division, right? A couple things yeah. go right with some of those young players on the defensive line. Uh, and and the same with the Packers. Like, Jordan Love might end up being a problem. He's sad. He might He's be a guy, yeah. One of the all-time greats, just as uh, the all-time great did with another all-time great. And there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball for the Packers. Like, if he holds his head above water, they could be pretty darn good and just be like, well, we're still cool and we're still going to run this division for a while. So uh, th- th- this is such a fun division. I have no idea how this thing's going to go. I'll be honest. Now that I think it through, like if if a genie came out of the bottle and said, hey, Matt, you could be the GM of any of these four teams. And, and with all the resources we talked about with cap space, Bears have extra pat, draft picks, young quarterbacks. I think my last last draft pick is the Vikes. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd rather be a lot more fun. I, I yep. think the Packers be a lot more fun. Of course, you know, the Lions with all these picks they've had would have been a lot more fun. I would have rather been the GM of all these teams before the most recent draft. To, mm-hmm. to be able to utilize those picks then going forward. All the Bears have those extra picks, too. So it's going to be fun. This is going to be a real fun division going forward. It is. A lot of Changing injury. quickly. And, and, the, right. and the big dog, Aaron Rodgers, the king of the North, is gone. He's gone. It is up for grabs. Can love become the new king of the North? 
Can't wait for the 2023 season and what that NFC North is going to look like. Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. We've got the East and the West in the NFC post-draft review. And, of course, everything else going on all off-season long. And your questions on our Thursday, Twitter Thursday mailbag. Get those questions in at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, or drop it in the YouTube comments. And make sure you are subscribed up on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast, Peacock and Williamson. Back tomorrow.